You're listening to the Straight Shooting Podcast here on the AHB Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Here are the hosts of the show, Jason and Mo. All right, welcome back to the Straight Shooting Podcast. Thank you for joining me. Do appreciate it. Everyone listens to the show. Thank you very much. If you want to support us on Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash AHP. That would be appreciated. I want to thank everyone that support us on Patreon. Muzz is joining us on the line today. Muzz, thanks for your time, mate, again coming on the show and joining me. Thank you very much, Jason, and uh, welcome back, everyone, to the Straight Shooting Podcast. Yeah, so we thought what we'd do first, Muzz, have a chat to people about, as you guys know, we've been getting a lot of messages, guys, about uh, you know straight shooting, and we have probably haven't done as many as we would have liked to. Unfortunately, obviously, a lot of us being busy getting to each other's houses, what we actually decided to do was change things up just a little bit and do more of the shows more often with regular content. Muzz, I think ultimately that's going to be a good thing because people are going to get more content. You know, you're going to have more time, I'm going to have more more time to dedicate to the show as well, which is fantastic, and actually report on news and current affairs as it happens. As soon as we get voicemails, guys, and we get emails and we've got enough, we're going to do a show. As soon as we've got enough information, uh, news articles, we're going to do a show. So I think it's going to be good, Muzz, for the people that they won't have to be bugging us anymore, so to speak, on the show, which, guys, we know we have been uh, a little bit slack on that, and obviously we're trying to improve that, hence the reason why we're going to be doing it this way. So, Muzz, I think it's going to be a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're definitely going to focus on delivering a lot more content as it happens. Let's go into the voicemails first, Muzz. What I want to play is Brad. Brad's one of our regular listeners. This one, as you guys know, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, guys, because I think we've pretty much done it to death. But we are going to do some voicemails. We are going to do some emails. Obviously, we know we were talking about the mental health factor. You know, Actually, some people agreed with Muzz. Some people disagreed with Muzz. Uh, so we're going to go through Brad's message first. So what we'll do, we're going to play Brad's voicemail, and then we'll discuss it. G'day. Just wanted to t- quickly touch on a topic Mario was discussing on the last Straight Shooting podcast. I love listening to you on the podcast, Mario. I think you're an incredible contributor. And I agree with you, I'd say 99% of the time. But unfortunately, this time around on this particular subject, I'm going to have to disagree. You, you said that you believe anyone who receives medication for a mental illness, be it depression, anxiety, or anything else, should automatically be barred for a decade. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think mental illness is definitely an issue that needs to be addressed, but I don't think that's the way to go about it. You might have someone who, say, is struggling with a bit of anxiety or depression and just needs maybe some counseling or a, a low dose of antidepressants to help them get through that rough period. Now, if they were to go to the doctor knowing that their their firearms and their hobby or sport would be taken away, that could potentially turn people away from addressing what is a small issue and allow that to grow and fest into something much, much worse. We could potentially have what we saw in Las Vegas or Colorado or the recent shooting in Florida, which could be easily avoided with just maybe a bit of counseling or a mild medication. So I don't think that that should be in, in place. I think that could be addressed maybe in another manner. I'm not sure how exactly, but I definitely don't think that's the way to go. I think it could potentially do more harm than good. Um, love the show, guys. I'd love to know what you think. Cheers. All right, guys, you just heard from Brad, one of our regular listeners on the show. Mars, because I disagree with you as well, you can have your say on Brad's voicemail. Yeah, sure, Jason. Thank you very much. And, and, and thanks, Brad, for your voicemail. Uh, keep listening to the show, mate. That's a great contribution. Yeah, look, I, I knew that this, uh, my point of view, wasn't going to be popular. But what I wanted to address, though, is that the idea that someone is, I guess, if they're suffering from depression, they're not going to see, seek help. 
to address their depression because of fear of losing their guns. Well, I, I disagree with that because there's many other ways to seek help than to just go straight to a doctor and get uh, brain-altering medication. There are many, many uh, other ways. There's meditation, there's all types of natural therapies out there to seek help in regards to your depression. So that's that's the one point that I'll stress. The second point that I'll stress is that you're saying that you'll have a lot more people like Las Vegas shooter and, and, and other people doing horrible things if they don't get access to medication. Well, you're making the assumption there that they weren't on medication. Well, the, the evidence was, and I'm pretty sure me and Jason did go through it, is that the, a lot of the people that have committed a lot of these heinous crimes were actually on medication. That they, they, they were actually sufferers of uh, deep depression, anxiety, or whatever you might, might call it. And a lot of this medication, from what I've read, makes you feel, and I've got, I don't have any experience with it because I've never taken anything like that. But what I've read is it makes you feel flat and it's like you're without, without empathy, like you're, 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 your feelings are like literally non-existent. Now, that could, be, that could be right or wrong, I don't know, but it, there's strong evidence there, and we've presented it in the last show, that suggests that a lot of people that are on these medications makes them go a little bit crazy. Now, that's not everyone, and it's probably not the majority either. There is the odd occasion, and especially in a country like the United States where literally, you know, one third of the nation owns guns. When you've got a situation like that and you've got a high level of dependency on all these mind-altering drugs, it's going to be a recipe for disaster. I I very much, I I don't think anyone would argue against being restricting access to firearms to people who are mentally ill. Now, here's the thing. You said that I wanted to ban people for for 10 years for owning firearms. That's not. That's just an idea that I come up with. It's not something that's set in stone or anything like that. And I'm open to debate on that. I mean, I'm even quite happy with something like a two years or three years. My point is, is that there needs to be some sort of restriction on people from buying firearms that are suffering from mental illness. And I know a lot of people disagree with me on this, and that's fine. I'm we're happy to agree to disagree. But I feel strongly about this because I'm just basing my opinion purely just on the scientific evidence. Well, obviously, guys, as you know, yeah, it's definitely something we've been talking about on the show, guys, for a regular basis, especially on the last several shows. And, um, you know, obviously it's something, again, I think that we can't solve necessarily on this show. Obviously, it's just a point of discussion. And I did get another email, and I'm going to read some of the, the con ones first, Mars. I think they're the most important. This one's from mm-hmm. Mickey Gubis, uh, one of our regular Patreon supporters. So thanks, Mickey. He goes, I don't know Mars and can't form an opinion about him other than what I hear on the podcast. I can't reconcile on one hand his strong stand on freedom and the other hand he advocates for the intrusion into an individual's relationship with his doctor if we were to ever happen it would be an extremely slippery slope on personal freedom i'm sure that people take medications and other have other health issues in many other countries around the world without mass shootings the other side of the medication argument is it may have saved a lot of lives as well no medication works 100% of the time maybe someone needs to look into the american school model and what kids are being diagnosed with and how these issues are treated. Keep up the great work, guys. Love the show. That's from Mickey. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks, Mick. Look, here's the thing: in a country like the United States, when you go there, you you, you see that the, the big businesses have a lot of power, especially pharmaceutical businesses, and it's in their best interest to try and promote all their drugs and and and, and the new products that they have. It kind of stands to reason why a lot of doctors will be probably over-prescribing some of these drugs, unlike a lot of other European countries and um, and uh, Australia in particular. 
And there's a lot of gray areas in this subject. But here's my point, right? My point is, is that, okay, if there was a child molester in your street, in your neighborhood, and you've got children, would you want to know or would you not want to know? Well, okay. Is it's it, a very. Is it legally, do I legally, am right? I allowed legally allowed to know? Well, uh, well, this is the thing, right? Would you want to know, this is the question everyone has to ask themselves, right? Would you want to know if there's a child molester in your living in your street? I presume okay, would you, you would, yes. Would you want sex offenders named, I guess, you know, or at least uh, for people to know that they're there, right, so you can protect your kids? It's a very tough issue because you've got to uh, – because on, on one hand, you've got the rights of the person to be private and to go about their business anonymously, and on the other hand, it's the community wanting to protect their kids, right? So, so what I'm proposing – for example, you, you wouldn't want lunatics or known mental health lunatics that have, for example, caused harm to others to be in your street. If they were in your street, you'd want to know who they are. What I'm proposing is not anything like like that. What I'm proposing is that the mental health guys who are suffering from all types of um, issues regarding their mental health is for them to have restricted access to firearms, okay? So that, that's what I'm proposing. I'm not proposing... That something that, uh, for example, um, you know, name and shame and know who they are and all that sort of stuff. I'm proposing that they, they're still able to go about their private business and without fear of persecution from anyone. They just will have a restriction and when it comes to buying firearms until they're cleared of their mental illness. When you've got a, a situation like what's happening now, and this is something for people to consider. It's, it's a very important subject, right? I'm sure, pretty sure everyone by now has heard those ads about your my mental health. Remember the, the government ad that's uh, putting all your, uh, sorry, not my mental health, my health record. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. The one yeah, I my, opted out of. That's right, yeah. So, so you've got my health record, which is now going to be a national database of your health records. Right. So just think about that, guys. It's a national database of your health records and you, you're going to get one unless you opt out. This database will have a record of the doctors that you've seen, uh, I'm guessing the medication that you prescribed, that you, you've been prescribed and all those things. So it's not too far in the future that the big state, the big, big brother state is going to be able to get that information anyway, without whether you like it or not. Unless, of course, you opt out, which I suspect in the future you may not have a choice. Okay, that's what's going to happen in the future. So every time you go to a doctor, it will be recorded in a database somewhere that Joe Bloggs went to get some sort of uh, mind-altering medication for his depression. Okay, so and then that database is going to speak with another database that says, oh, yeah, Joe Bloggs has got a firearms license. Oh, okay. So Joe Bloggs is on antidepressant medication and he's got a firearms license. Can you see the problem here, guys? They're going to get that information anyway. Eventually they will. It all comes down to whether or not they can use it against you. So do you, do you follow me, Jason, what's happening here? right? It all comes down to whether or not they're, they're going to use it against you and whether or not, for example, if Joe Bloggs, who has got a, a firearms license, who has been prescribed antidepressant medication, whether or not he's answered the question on his um, on his uh, um, firearms license of whether or not he's suffering any mental health issues, right? Yeah. So if he hasn't answered the question right, I guess the government would then would have a legal legal right, you could say, to take away your firearms license and your guns. So that's something for everyone to think about, okay, at the moment. And I bet you, and I bet you, Jason, 
that I'm probably the only person that's actually probably the first person that's actually mentioned this subject. So it's something very The only very thing I don't important. like is people getting caught up in the net. I know you were saying you were, I think, previous show, correct me if I'm wrong, paraphrasing, mm-hmm. so to speak, that some people were caught in the net. You're willing to risk that. Well, I'm not willing to risk that. What do you mean caught in the net? I'm, I'm I think it was on a previous show. You said, well, if it, what happens if it catches an unwilling participant or an unwilling person that it, it ends up excluding them from holding a firearms license if it catches a few people that it shouldn't? I'm pretty sure you did. I'm pretty sure you did. Yeah, yeah look, I, I did say that. If it means that we get to keep our guns and, 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 and continue our recreation, continue our sports, our rights. But what about the people? I mean, that's not happening to us. What happens if it did happen to us? That's the whole problem. If it happened to us, what do yeah, you mean we, by that? Yeah, we get caught in the net. We get caught in the net. Or you get caught in the net, for an example. And you're like, well, I didn't do anything wrong. I haven't, I've been caught in the net. Maybe something you said on Facebook. They, people may think something someone said on Facebook 10 years ago is a reason to take their firearms license off. It could be a slippery slope. It has been in the past. We've seen it. We've seen it in Victoria. People getting you know, taken to court for things they've said on the internet. You know. Yes, that's true. But look, this has got nothing to do uh, with you suffering from depression and getting prescription for mind-altering drugs. And I, and I call them mind-altering drugs. I use that term because that's what they do. They alter your mind, okay, because they're trying to fix the imbalance in your mind, and they alter your mind, and as a result... But not necessarily for everybody, though. Not necessarily, like Brad said in his initial uh, voicemail. Not, sometimes people, have, yeah, they've gone through issues, you know. It could be a breakup. It could be, you know, family issues, financial, etc. I'm sure that over 90% of people that take these drugs for depression or whatever are going to be just fine you know and i'm sure they, they are uh, let's but, go you know, into there, there let's is... have a further discussion because i think this goes into our next one mate i'm not cutting you off but i think this one's sure. very important now this is probably it starts bad, bad but then it ends pretty well and i did have a bit of a laugh at this because it's a bit more full-on than um brad and mickey's email uh, and voicemails. It says, yep. I've got to laugh at this, Muzz. It is pretty funny. I think you'll laugh yourself. Hi, Jason Muzz. This is from a guy named Adam. I've been listening to the podcast for a number of years now, but I have to say, I found your last straight shooting podcast very difficult to listen to. You should probably rename it AHP 172 Muzz Rise of the FUD. <laughs> <laughs> I must admit that it was pretty funny. Adam, mate, I'm going to have to agree with you on this one. I'm sorry, Muzz. I'm just going to have to. We, we've never really disagreed on the show a lot. But anyway, let me move on. So Muzz even said he was ready to use facts, yet first point he raised was that we don't know how many shootings have occurred by people under the influence of anti-anxiety or antidepressants due to patient-doctor confidentiality. So how can you use facts about these lunatics if we can't have access to their mental health records to see which of them were on medication or even professionally diagnosed as having any issues? I agree, however, though, that if someone is professionally assessed and deemed to be a danger to themselves or others that medical professionals should have a duty to inform the authorities. What really got me, though, was Ma's eagerness to infringe on LAFO's firearms access if there were on any form of anxiety, depression, or mind-altering medication slash substance. By casting a wide net, isn't that exactly the same approach John Howard took? Mate, you should have a chat to Samantha Lee. Maybe you can go and work for GCA, Gun Control Australia. Jace, good work on pulling Muzz up a couple of times, and thank you for mentioning the obvious that there is a huge difference between someone suffering mental illness to a degree that they would cause harm to others compared to someone who is going through some financial or family stress. I'm not trying to say it's all too hard that we can't do anything about it, 
but there has to be a better way. I personally would be happy to have a psychological assessment initially on application for a firearms license, as well as the review being carried out periodically, even at my own cost. Well, first off, I'm just going to address that part. I would disagree with that for a start. Anyway, <laughs> I would disagree with that I would that disagree too. with that. Anyway, hang on, hang on. <laughs> My view is there are people who should not have firearms, whether it's due to severe mental health issues, anger management issues, extreme political slash religious reviews, uh, or those who legitimately fall into the fit and proper category. I don't see the issue in them having access to firearms fit for their purpose, regardless of the firearms action type. Lastly, I just had to mention Muzz had me cringing a few times when he kept referring to firearms as weapons. He should know how dangerous using terms like that is, especially when it's coming from someone in a pro-gun position. Anything can be a weapon if the user intends it to harm others. To finish on a positive note, I really appreciate the work you guys put into the podcast, and it has improved substantially over the last few years, and I love seeing new podcasts get released. Cheers, Adam. Adam, thank you very much for your uh, email, mate. Uh, Fantastic. Uh, Look, I really appreciate that, and please continue listening to the show. What you're proposing Adam, to have these psychological evaluations is far more dangerous than what I'm proposing. When you have a psychological examination, you're, you're putting yourself, I guess, at risk of dodgy doctors or dodgy... Um, my main uh, thing is, as easy to say as this, I do not want a bureaucrat making a decision no. on my firearms licence, which no. is purely just subjective. Exactly. Purely subjective, nothing more. Exactly, exactly. So what, what I'm proposing, a ban on firearm ownership or... X, Y, Z years, I don't know, maybe two years, maybe three years, I don't know what the right number is, for anyone that's uh, being prescribed mind-altering drugs. That's what I'm proposing. And, uh, you know, what you're proposing is far more serious than that because once you fail a psychological examination, you probably won't get a licence for life. So, <laughs> yeah, I so, think we just yeah. need to be very careful. And it's not what Adam's recommended. I just think in general, I don't want another bureaucrat. To... Isn't that what he? Isn't that what he said in his email? Yeah, he'd he be happy that, to. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he'd be okay. Well, and, okay, and, well, fair and conduct regular. I I wouldn't be keen yeah. to do that because I don't want no, a person. Not at all. Uh, psychology, guys, as we know, in all forms, even what we're talking about right now is extremely subjective. There is no one size fits all. I think we can all agree on that. Look, at the end of the day, my opinion is based on the research that I've done. He can say that, oh, yeah, we can't get the details. But then what what I've, we've showed in the last show, Jason, when we spoke about this, is we eventually do get details because it gets reported in the newspaper, even though it doesn't come directly from the doctor. It comes from other people that have known them or from the police or from fa- other family members or friends. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is, is that the, the my opinion is based purely on the research that I've done into a lot of mass shootings, the amount of reading that I've done over the years, and there is a very co- there's a, a common factor in a lot of these mass shootings. The vast majority of these guys who carry out these mass shootings are on some sort of depression, anxiety drugs. They, they lose their empathy. They lose their feelings. They kind of want to commit suicide via mass shootings, and they, they usually uh, try and kill themselves off as well. Some don't end up doing it. Some do. But this is what we've discussed, Adam, in the last show. And I do believe there is a strong correlation on the over-prescription of uh, anxiety and depression drugs and the the amount of mass shootings that's occurring in the United States and other places around the world. So that's the reason why I've come to this position, because I certainly don't want, I don't know anyone that wants someone who is certifiable or or is, is really suffering from deep 
depression who could potentially kill themselves and their whole family, which we've have, we have seen many times, Jason, even the recent one in Perth. This has happened a lot of times. And these people, the moment they are prescribed mind-altering drugs, I do believe, I do believe the law needs to step in and they need to re- reassess um, their firearms license and the guns that they own. And, and you know, I think it should be uh, up to the commissioner based on advice from from uh, medical well, people. Uh, whether, true, but whether, we saw whether, that. We whether saw or not. We saw how that Sorry. worked out with the guy from uh, in Sydney here that killed his own family. The the commissioner signed off on that, and now three people well, are now dead. To be fair, Jason, I don't think the commissioner knew that he was mentally mentally ill. Well, was he mentally ill? He was already. Uh, we we we'll probably discuss that one. I reckon, guys, at a later date because we don't know what's going to happen until the coroner's report but, comes but look, out. But look, I, I appreciate everyone with opposing views, and that's great. But in this case, we just have to agree to disagree. I'm not for banning any guns. I'm not from banning, you know, uh, anyone from hunting or from shooting or for for even just plinking with an AK-47 even. You know what I mean? I want people to have fun with their firearms. But I just want to keep the wrong people away from guns. That's pretty much it. Let's finish it off with one more email. This is to finish it off. This is a good one that actually supports you, Muzz, so you should be pretty happy with this. from Philip. There was a story in there, guys. I'm not going to read that. Sorry, Phil. I guess that's for a different different discussion. But uh, he said, great to hear straight shooting again. It's been too long between drinks. I'd agree, mate. Uh, Muzz is right in a way, as the problem in the US is too many idiots with guns. They just can't let all the psychos buy guns and do the loony side thing as they go out. I'm not sure what the loony side thing is, but I guess that's killing lots of people. He goes, I don't know what the answer is, but I do know Man Monis should not have been out on the streets. He should have been locked up for murder before the Martin Place incident. Uh, that he goes on to say, hope to you another episode soon in the old format where we cover lots of different topics and keep up the good work. Phil. Yeah, Phil, thank you very much. Yes, look, mate, there are a lot of crazy people in America with guns. And a lot of people are saying that, you know, like I've gone to the land of the free and come back with less freedom. You know what I mean? They'll come back with the idea of less freedom. I, I, look, I, I don't think so. Uh, look, I'm not an absolutist, right? Okay, so I, I believe in common sense. I believe in common sense. And common sense would say that, you know, you, you shouldn't give, you know, you shouldn't give kids Coke or fizzy drinks before they go to bed, right? Because they're full of sugar and they're not going to sleep. So that's just common sense, right? Okay, you don't you don't need to, oh, you know, you're infringing on the kid's right to drink freaking whatever it is, you know, fizzy drinks. My, my point is, is that you shouldn't be giving guns or allowing people to buy guns who are mentally ill. That's what I'm saying, okay? That's what I'm saying, okay? And it's not infringing on anyone's rights. It's basically protecting people from themselves and, and the broader community. Now, like I said, the Second Amendment is not for everyone. It's not for people that are, that are um, got a criminal record, so you can't buy guns if you've got a criminal record. It's not for people that are on, on a no-fly list. It's not for people that, um, that are in jail. It's not for people that uh, got an AVL on them. There's a whole wide range of reasons and, and various, uh, various things that can get you on an FBI list in America so that you can't buy firearms. So it's not an absolute rule, right? So the Second Amendment's not for everybody. Neither is free speech. I mean, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, okay? So you, you can't. You can't incite violence, right? Those sort of things. There are there are limitations with everything. I'm, I'm not an absolutist, so I'm not for banning. Like I said before, I'm not for banning anything. However, I am for restricting access to people who are suffering from mental illness. It's that simple. So that's what that's where I stand on it. Okay, I understand everyone 
has got their right to their own opinion. They, you can disagree or agree, whatever it is. I respectfully accept everyone else's opinion, and I, I welcome a healthy discussion about this. Yep. Let's put this uh, topic to bed, Jason, and we yep. can move on you to the next one. There's not one. I think we just need to address this one too, because I, I want to. Because sure. okay. Reese wrote in, and I don't want to discount his email as well uh, on yep. this particular issue. It's about he's a fairly new listener as well, so I think he mentioned something that Adam mentioned as well, which was very interesting. So I don't think it needs a lot of discussion. But he said, Jason and Mars, I'm a fairly new listener to the show after the Sydney Watson podcast. I'm slowly working through your backlog of podcasts and enjoying each episode and have inspired me to get involved with Polly's in Queensland in regards to public land hunting. So that's fantastic for a start. Good Mario, stuff. I'm a little surprised at how drastic your approach is to control around mental health. If it was rude, I would liken it to the archaic and draconian steps taken by John Howard in 96, but I'm not that rude because you are mixing those with the mild mental health issues with those that are mentally disturbed. I don't disagree that there needs to be some steps in regards to mental illness, but I don't feel a complete ban should be extended to those who suffer some minor depression or anxiety. Possibly a step that could be taken would be a psychiatrist uh, evaluation for any LARFO that is prescribed mind-altering medication to determine if they are at risk to the wider community. Having said that, limiting access to people's firearms isn't going to stop people that want to take another person's life, such as what we've seen with the stabbings with both in Australia and overseas, as well as arson and vehicle attacks. All the best and keep up the great content. Thanks, Reese. Again, Mars, the main point of topic I wanted to probably discuss there was the mental health uh, evaluations. No, I'm totally in dis- disagreement with that. That's right, me too. But uh, here's the thing, Reese. Good on you, mate, for, for lobbying politicians uh, for uh, public land hunting in Queensland. Excellent. Keep at it. I never said a complete ban on anything. I never said that. Uh, what I said was a res- uh, was a temporary restriction on firearm ownership for those who are suffering mental health issues. That's what I said. So so we need to get that straight. The point is, people say, well, people can kill other people with knives and whatever. Yeah, they can. That's true. They can use other things to kill people. But you know what? When they use guns, it comes down on all of us. The entire gun owner community feels that. Why? Because the moment they use guns, there's a whole line of there's a conga line of politicians that are ready to take that are ready to slap on more regulation, more rules, more restrictions, more bans on certain type of firearms. This is the problem. If someone is going to kill someone with a knife, I mean that's not a good thing. But hey, you know what? Uh, at least no politician is going to be out there wanting to restrict my access to firearms because they're using knives, right? So this is the. That's why everybody difference. was on hooks just the other day with the uh, uh, those murders that just happened just recently. Where was it? Um, I think it was two oh, adults was w- and three, yeah, two adults and three children. That's right. Yeah. Everyone was sort of on hooks whether it was going to be a gun, and people already mentioning guns in their article before we even found out what actually happened. It's always like this. Every time there's some sort of mass killing like that, the first thing that comes into most gun owners' minds is, oh, yeah, did they use a gun? First thing that comes into your mind. We know that if the answer is yes, that we're just going to cop a barrage of all types of politicians, uh, people in the media, news announcers, whatever, just, you know, wanting all kinds of stupid laws on firearms again. So, you know, this is the problem, right? We want to try and avoid that. And the only way we're going to avoid that is to try and make sure that the, the the really crazy people are heavily restricted in their access to firearms. Of course, they can always get them illegally and whatever, but, you know, someone who's suffering from a bad mental illness is going to have, I think, problems trying to get things and illegally. I think, hey, because they, you know, they're going to they're struggle to function as a normal human being. 
let alone being able to access yeah. things illegally. Well, I think there's no. much more things going on at the moment that we could probably spend our time fighting for other yeah. than a very small situation about, you know, people with mental... I mean, it's obviously not a small situation, people with mental health. It's on the rise, I think, in the, in the, in the 21st century. But I think, you know, we should be putting our, our heads together for things like, the, you know, the fishing, the marine parks in New South Wales, getting mm. some of our firearms back. These are the things. But let's move on, Muzz. We've got a good yes. one. One of our... If you listen to our fishing podcast, Barry, one of our regular listeners, great guy, says hi Mars. I listened to yours and Jason's excellent podcast last night and at the very least I needed to email you to say I 100% agree with what you said now this was all about the fishing stuff about the license we knew this was going yep. to happen and I hate to say it's not a told you so but we'll get into a, another email from another listener in a minute he goes there are enough of us out here to make a difference but we don't and I also don't know why we don't keep up the passion so in other words we don't know why there's so many of us out there and we're not making a difference yeah, that's true. Thanks, mate, for your email. I appreciate that. Yes, you're absolutely right, mate. It boggles me as well. It, it just, it, it amazes me how many times Labor and Liberals screw us over and then people keep voting for them again. I don't know the answer to it, mate. I wish I knew. Um, if I did, I maybe could have the key to solving this whole issue, but it's very difficult, mate. People are, like I said, people don't use the same logic in politics when it comes to, say, for example, you know, getting a plumber to your house. If you had a plumber come to your house and they've done a horrible job and they screwed up your pipes and they overcharged you, would you ever get that plumber to come back? No, you wouldn't. 99% of people would never. But it's not the same logic when it comes to politics. You know, Labor and Liberals screw us over all the time, but yet people keep bringing them back. So until... We can apply, and you know what? Some people might say, well, it's not that simple. Well, I say, yeah, it is that simple. If people keep doing a crappy job, well, you don't vote them back in. It's that simple, right? I have never voted for a major party ever since 1996, and that vote is growing. I mean, back in 96, it was something like about 6 or 7% of people in Australia were voting for were voting for a party other than the two majors. Today, it's almost 30%. There's a lot more people waking up. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't think they're waking up quick enough. Look, I agree with you, mate. I don't know why. don't know how it keeps happening, but it keeps happening. Hopefully, we can fix it in the future. Excellent. Next one I've got is from... Hi, Jason. Hayden here. Been hunting on and off since I was five when I started archery, target shooting, and bow hunting. I'm now 27 and an avid firearms owner and enjoy all things hunting, shooting, and camping, as we all do. Fantastic. I uh, got onto your podcast by chance of Googling it a year or so ago. Uh, your last couple of podcasts have been fantastic. I did go back and listen to all your previous ones. Is there a cheat sheet or something I can get hold of with some stats of the countries you always mention and how these, are, and how these laws are similar? As you'd be aware as a shooter, you often get get people with no idea trying to talk down on the sport i.e. of owning guns and hunting i don't usually get into these conversations as it is not worth it however it would be good to accurately educate these people i guess mate the first thing i'm going to say is often mate if people have got a different point than you mate often i don't even bother wasting my time anymore you know this is the reason i probably i do the show because i can get out to more people but if people aren't just going to like hunting and shooting some people can be swayed but if they're really anti-gun just pretty much it's almost like trying to educate vegans to turn to eat meat it's almost near impossible (laughs) it really is almost near impossible and often if i'm why waste an hour if i'm not going to get any benefit for it what do you think muz yeah look mate thanks for your email excellent uh good good job and you know what jason i'm very surprised how many people actually when they when they discover our podcast then they all of a sudden go back and start listening from the start and that's great, you know. It, it shows you that um, that we're, that we're definitely hitting a couple of topics and 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 a couple of pressure points on people's minds that makes them want to 
uh, start listening from the beginning, which is good. Yeah, mate, look, there are some people that no matter what you say to them, they'll be anti-gun no matter what. There's no amount of logical reason or scientific evidence that you can present that will make them think otherwise, and that's just the facts of life. Yeah, unfortunately, that's just the way it is, mate. But, you know, you keep doing what you're doing, mate, and, and keep at it. Uh, continue with your archery and uh, everything you do and keep advocating for our sport. All right, next one. This is a great one, man, a, re- a really good one. I really enjoyed this one. This one's from David. Hi, Jason. I just wanted to email you and let you know that I discovered your podcast last year, and I absolutely love it. I'm slowly working my way through the back catalogue of podcasts, and this morning I listened to episode 100. Yes, I know. People are probably going to laugh at me. I did get a little bit emotional. <laughs> I know I'm a little bit late on this, as you recorded it sometime in October 2015, but hearing you talk about your FARD relationship, yeah, okay, and how the AHP podcast helped you get through these tough times really resonated with me and had me tearing up in the car on the way to work wow man that's that's pretty pretty strong stuff man i appreciate Mm. it he goes you should be extremely proud of what you've achieved with your hard work and the good job you are doing on behalf of the shooting community in brackets whether you like it or not i'm 35 and have only recently got into shooting but it's because of you and mario that i applied for my first pta yesterday it's because of you that i've started sending letters to my politicians it's because of you that i can't wait to take my kids shooting when they are old enough I can only echo the thousands of others who have listened to your podcast when I say thank you. You're an inspiration. Regards, David. Wow. Wow. Goodness me. Nice, man. I'm speechless after that. That's amazing. Yeah. David, thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you for your wonderful wonderful praise for uh, what Jason and I do. and we really appreciate it, mate. Keep up, keep up, yeah. keep doing what you're doing. Take your kids shooting, and you know, enjoy and enjoy the wonderful lifestyle that we have in this country. And you know what? This is what it's all about. Regardless of all the mental health stuff, regardless of all that, mm. mate, this is what I enjoy reading. This is what I enjoy that people that have written to their politicians, they're making a difference. They're getting out there, even if you think your voice is not being heard by these politicians. Look at what shooters you know, have been, and this will go into my next, uh, one of my next emails from Facebook, uh, was that we, we can make things happen, especially with the lockout, especially with the marine parks. And I think me and Muzz are going to agree that we are not going to accept anything on these marine parks other than a full rip-up of what the proposal is intended. No marine Absolutely. park. And in fact, I'll go further than that in saying uh, what I'd like to see is the removal of all marine parks in in the Sydney area and around the country because quite clearly if we remove these uh, marine parks it is not going to make one lick of a difference to fish stocks not one single difference and there is no evidence out there anywhere to say no. that any of these things have made a difference unless I would call it bogus fake statistics that there's nothing out there that would prove that you know and we don't want to say okay we saw Niall Blair on our previous show the minister for primary industries in New South Wales say save the seagrass are we expected to believe that Mars? like it's all about the seagrass Jason they'll trot out all types of bogus science or some sort of technical claptrap just just it's like a you know they're trying to do a Jedi mind trick on the people and the presenters. Thank God it didn't work on Ray Hadley because Ray Hadley just uh, basically gave him a backhander, verbal backhander pretty much on all the things that he said. But this is what they're trying to do to us all the time. We've got to fight against it. We've got to fight against it with, with real knowledge. Real facts, real science, not the bogus science that they're presenting us. Let me go into a message, a Facebook message from Alex now. This is probably, guys, I'm not going to be a bit harsh on this because I understand where he's coming from and his heart's in the right place, but this is where people need to, we, we can't say every single thing about fishing on the show, but let me go into his message. He says, hi, mate. After seeing the title of episode 179, which was about fishing, uh, the podcast about the Marine Parks lockout, I was excited to listen to it as I don't really understand the maps and all the rules that they want to put forward. At first, the information 
information was good from the interviews that you played, but after that, it was just a podcast of I Told You So, and all the people that supported the fishing license are idiots. Well, we never said that, but not really any information about the bands. Are you able to do a podcast which explains all the rules will be and the different coded zones, etc.? I've spoken to many people about this to try and get information, but no, no one really knows what's going on and what everything means. So first off, I'd like to say, Alex, there's plenty of places on the internet that clearly explain this from the DPI website to there's a lot of guys on Facebook now. I think about 65,000 on the Stop the Lockout page. I think if you go to stopthelockout.com.au, they've got all the information there about marine parks. Now, we're obviously doing this as a whole and just saying that marine parks... No, we're putting the cross right through it. We want no marine parks and we want to turn back the marine parks that are currently in place and hopefully, I would say, abolish those. There's no evidence to show that any fishing of these areas has made any significant difference. So that's, that's what I wanted to say. What do you think about Muzz, about his message about I told you so and it was basically, you know, I told you so about the fishing licence? Well, it's pretty hard to avoid saying I told you so. We didn't want to turn into that sort of show, but it pretty much confirms what we were saying years ago, pretty much. Yeah. And uh, I knew this was going to happen down the line because this is ultimately their plan to get a lot more control over over the people in, in terms of especially people who are centre-right or right-wing. And centre-right, right-wing people are generally conservatives, libertarians, people who love their guns, their fishing, their outdoor recreation life, They're basically essentially their freedom. Um, so they're going to try and clamp down on as much of that as they possibly can. And it's up to us to reject everything, reject every plan they come up with. Like you said, Jason, I want no marine parks abolished a lot. I want no fishing tax abolished a lot. It does absolutely zero, nothing. All it does is feed money to a government bureaucracy that watches over you. That's it. That's all it does. And it doesn't, does not uh, provide any kind of scientific benefit to marine life whatsoever. And I challenge anyone to provide me evidence that's to the contrary. Because I can tell you right now, I've done my research, and like I've said many times before, less than one, we occupy, human beings occupy less than 1% of this entire coastline of our country. And out of that one, less than 1%, only about 10% are actually fishing, okay? And you're going to tell me that that, that does some uh, recreational fishing, mind you. So you're going to tell me that, that that does some sort of irreparable environmental damage? What a crock. What a crock of shit. It's just Excuse interesting. You know, it's just interesting that we've seen a lot of people recently, and I think we spoke about this in the last show, that have, well, you know, I'm not voting Labour or Liberal anymore. That's it. Labor's, you know, one of the guys in particular voted Liberal, and he goes, well, I'm not doing that again. I don't know why you'd vote them in the first place, but I'm quite surprised about the amount of people that are coming out now, and yes, they're blaming the fishing licence that this was going to end their fishing. And I want to play something, Muzz, very, very important. As you know, we've interviewed um, shooters and fishers on a number of occasions, and we interviewed Pete Johnson, and we also spoke to him several years ago at the SSAA Shot Expo, and he was at one of these Stop the Lockout, well, I wouldn't say it was a rally, but it was a small gathering of people where Peter Johnson, uh, he was running for the upper house in the 2015 election. Now, I'm not sure if he's running again. I haven't heard. But he said something very interesting, Muzz, about the fishing license. And as you know, we've probably not had heated debates with Peter, but we've had you know uh, interesting debates and, and good, robust discussion on the fishing license. So I'm just going to play just quickly part of that video, but I'm gonna obviously going to play the audio part of it and what he specifically said about the fishing license and then also what he said about compensation. So we'll play that, then we'll come back. We as fishermen have the most to lose because we're paying to access borders and they're using that money to start us out. So maybe later down the track we'll ask the government for compensation like they did with commercial fishermen. 
All right, guys, this is just heard from Peter Johnson from the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party. Now, the main issue with there is we, we, we told Peter this probably, what, how long ago, Muzz? Three, four years ago, I would say, um, and, oh, had, yeah, and had many yeah. heated discussions about it. Now he's singing the exact same tune that we're singing, which is great news, but perhaps it might be too late. The other part about we want compensation, and I'm also hearing this in Queensland with the wedgetail firearm that the uh, Queensland firearms and the police service are trying to actually take off people. I don't want compensation. I mean, why are we always initially going straight away, well, if this is going to happen, we want compensation. Now, I know he doesn't mean, well, if you're going to take fishing office and do this, we want compensation. I know he doesn't mean that. But to say that we always we always want compensation, I don't want compensation. You know what I want? I want my fishing. That's what I want. Yeah, I want my fishing. Exactly. And we spoke about this repeatedly to Peter about this and, and the party when we interviewed him saying, this is not a good idea. Well, they decided to go the opposite way. Now, we, this is what we get. We reap what we sow. Well, listen, Jason, for the record, just so everyone knows, and they, they may or may not remember, but I spoke to Pete Johnson, uh, Robert Borsak, and Robert Brown, and we both did, Jason. And we told them years ago that the fishing tax should be abolished, that them supporting the fishing tax was a huge mistake. And they're certainly not doing, in my opinion, doing any favours to fishers by supporting it. Now, Pete Johnson says, oh, they're using your money to lock you out. Oh, really, Pete? Well, we told you that, like you said, Jason, we told you that years ago that they're going to do that. And now he's saying it. But the problem is not that he's saying it. The problem is he's saying it, but the Shooters and Fishers Party still support the fishing tax. They still not haven't heard the message. They still don't understand the bigger picture. I'd like to see him come out and say they don't support it. That'd be a good thing. This is what me and you have been advocating for for ages. When we've told this to Robert Borsak, we've told it Robert Brown and Pete Johnson, we've told them years ago that it's going to be used against us and it's a horrible mistake for them to support it. If Peter's speech is his way of fighting back against this uh, overreach by the government, well, then God help us, mate. There, there should be a position of no marine parks no fishing tax on recreational fishermen. And, and that's the position that should be because fishing should be free for everyone. It should be free, okay? There's absolutely no scientific evidence whatsoever to suggest that mum and dad, okay, with their kids casting a few lines in the water is going to do any kind of damage whatsoever to the environment anywhere, okay? So it's just an absolute joke that they still support this stuff it should be abolished yesterday and jason we're going to play an interview with alan jones yep. okay later on and this is a really important interview and i want to make sure you guys are still listening to the show and listen to this interview because alan jones absolutely nails it he nails it in a way that no one else not even politicians from the shooters and fishers party not even other fishers, not even people that work in the industry have ever said it. And this guy is not a fisherman. He's just a smart yeah. guy. He's Listen, a I, I don't understand. I know probably Pete, he's probably heart's in the right spot and he doesn't want to see fishing go anywhere. And But what I'd like to see now is I haven't heard them support the fishing license for a while. And I, but on the flip side, we know they did support it before and I haven't seen anything to say to the contrary that the fishing license is no good. So maybe we'd like to see that in the future that they push forward and say, well, no, we don't agree with this and try and do their best to actually advocate against it and actually get rid of it. But like anything, guys, it's always hard to get rid no, of something no, look, as look, it is to stop I've, something. I've heard, them, I've heard them say plenty of times that they, they support the fishing license. Why? Because... Unfortunately, I hate to say it, they're just like the other politicians, they want to get their hands on your money 
and try and do something with it to try and big note themselves. And look at us. But what would you say about when people say, well, there is nobody else to vote for? Like Labor want to do the exact same thing. Liberal want to do the exact same thing. Who else is there that's vocally in support of shooters? How would we address that? Well, uh, look, it's a very tough, it's a very tough one to, um, very tough one to analyse because you've got uh, the LDP, I think, are registered in New South Wales. You've got One Nation, a registered in New South Wales. Labor, Liberal, um, even Shooters and Fishers, they all support this bureaucracy. It should be a position of absolutely no marine parks, absolutely no fishing licence. Get the, rid that's of the, the bureaucracy. Thing, though, eh? Who is the, is it, and there's not one. Who's out there actually saying, no, abolish the lot, abolish the fishing licence? I want to say, but there isn't a party like that. That's the whole problem. Yeah, the, there well, isn't a party well, like there that. is. Well, there is. The, the LDP do support that. They don't, they want to, get rid of this regulation. They at the end of the day, that. they're not in New South Wales politics at this stage, so it's a, it's a wasteful discussion talking about them. Well, and I, Hey, I don't get me wrong, I like David Lynham, I love the work that he does, but the reality is they're not in government at this stage. So what are our options? Our options are slim pickings at the moment. Yeah, I know, but what you're saying is that our options are limited to the people who are in government. Well, they're not. That's not true. Uh, your options can be a lot wider if other people get in government. Um, if, and the if other they option get in is too. The other, that's right. If they get in government, and the other option too, Jason, is that people have to write to their local representatives and to the premier, and and they've got to write in mass. And but the problem is the guys who are actually writing to the premier about these sort of issues. I mean, they're just tinkering around the edges. They don't understand the issue either. They're all they're worried about is their little patch. Oh. Dear Premier, I live on the south coast. I don't want this to become a marine park. Blah, 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 blah. They write this sort of stuff. The Australian Hunting Podcast is the only hunting, shooting and fishing podcast radio show in Australia. With over 40,000 downloads per month, you are sure to find some information that can help you. If you love hunting, shooting, fishing and a little bit of politics, the Australian Hunting Podcast has you covered. To listen, check us out on iTunes, and visit australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Let's go into the Alan Jones. Uh, he's talking to the Shimano guy, isn't he? The CEO, I yep. think he is, Colin Tannehill. Yep. So let's this play that. Great, this is a great interview. Yeah. yeah, let's play that, guys. It's about eight minutes long, and we'll just come back and we'll address it from there. Yeah, 15 after seven. This program goes right around Australia, and I'm about to speak about an issue concerning a stretch of coastline between Newcastle and Wollongong. But it's a snapshot of what is happening right across Australia. Governments are in every aspect of our lives, and people have had a gutful. The New South Wales government in mid-August, only a couple of weeks ago, announced, thank God they're quote-unquote plans, and you can torpedo the plans. This is like banning greyhound racing, the sort of rubbish they go on with, and lockout laws, to create 25 marine parks between Newcastle and Wollongong. Recreational anglers will be locked out. This is a critical issue. As the state election due in March, are these people wanting to lose it? Seven months away. My attention was first drawn to this via a letter to the editor of one of Sydney's newspapers. Greg Maidment from Bronte wrote, two weeks ago, I've lived all my 77 years in the eastern suburbs, and like my father before me and now my son, I love fishing. In fact, at my age, I rely on it for my, phys- for, my, for my physical and mental well-being. All my favourite fishing spots are within walking distance of my home. Familiarity and safety go hand in hand when ocean fishing. But now the New South Wales government is planning a marine sanctuary from South Bondi to Coogee and intends to ban recreational fishing there. I'm depressed. 
All the more so as I've never seen anywhere near enough fish caught in the area to warrant such a ban. On the other hand, the area with lots of rip currents is not safe for inexperienced snorkelers and thus for marine ecotourism, as suggested by the government. He says, why deprive me and others in our waning years of the remaining pleasures available to us and deprive the local kids of the benefits I've enjoyed for 67 years? Well, Colin Tannehill is the managing director of Shimano Australia. They make rods and reels, business it's called, used by anglers. And I have to acknowledge that Shimano advertise on the radio station, which is not the reason I'm talking to Colin. And he's on the line. Colin, good morning. Good morning to you, Alan, and thanks for having us on your show. Not at all. Look, I don't want to get bogged down in green zones and blue zones and so on, but the critical issue is here, isn't it, that recreational anglers will be locked out of their favourite fishing spots. Yes, and we're going to be locked out, Alan, without any reason for that to happen. And without any consultation. Well, we're having a consultation period now. Oh, that's now, after the event, yes, after the event, after the bureaucrats got it, government. They talked to the bureaucrats before they talked to you people. Yep, the plans have come out and we're in the middle of a consultation period now and and the public and the fishers out there, Alan, are speaking loud and clear. The message is very, very clear. Well, there's a lot of people. I mean, this is an election. These people vote. There are 850,000 recreational anglers in New South Wales, 400,000 in the Sydney, the Hunter and Illawarra region. Now, we're talking big numbers. What's the motivation for this lockout? Oh, it's got to be purely environmental, Alan. That's the only reason I can give you that. There's no reason from a fishing point of view. When you look at the priority of threats in the report to the environmental aspects of the bioregion, you get down the number 18, reason number 18, before you talk about using a fishing line to catch a fish. Absolutely. So there's 17 other reasons in front of it, including pollution and runoff and all these other factors. Yep. I mean, we're talking $1.6 billion to the New South Wales economy in 2016. That's the fishing industry. I mean, when you talk figures like that, someone in government's got to wake up. Now, recreational anglers, this is the interesting for my non-fisher people listening to me, recreational anglers, anglers have to have a licence. Uh, I think the one-year licence is, what, 35 bucks. Correct. So what do those people get back for the money they spend on those licences? Well, we get our fishery managed. And we also get the opportunity to go fishing, Ellen. And we're, we're getting both. We're all drawn on both ends of this. Yes. From the point of view of getting locked out. But scuba divers don't pay a licence fee. They'll be free to do as they wish in the proposed marine parks. Yeah, well, the scuba and the snorkelling side of it, you know, I, I tend to leave that to those guys. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, you know. But fishermen... I, I think everybody should have the right to use the water. Yeah, I mean, fishermen yeah. and women are like farmers. They protect that environment because they know if they don't, there'll be no fish the next time they go. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt about it. And we would be some of the best custodians of the water. We're, we're a solution. We're not the mm. problem. No, that's we're right. after it every single time we're on the water. Well, this is Greyhound Racing revisited, you see, and this is the lockout laws revisited because, let me tell you this, now glad to see you listening. There is no science, none whatever, that properly managed amateur fishing is a threat to any fish species. If there is, I'd like it across my desk. There is no science, none, none, that properly managed amateur fishing is a threat to any fish species. So, Colin, basically the state government is focusing on locking up all the access. So, all the access. Kids can't ride a bike down to the local fishing spot and wet a line. It will be illegal. Mm. Yeah, some of the parks there are uh, the ability to fish, Owen. 
the problem here is not the word park. The, the, to have a marine park or to have a sanctuary or to have a zone, that's not a problem. The problem is the lockout, Alan. But, you know, we should be enjoying the fact that we've got these waterways that we can actually enjoy as Australians. That's, mm. that's what we want. To oh well, do. governments full of ki- governments full of killjoys. You know that, don't you? But yeah, I mean, you know, place... yeah, the other uh, thing, Alan, is that there's there's lines on maps that honestly you and I wouldn't be able to work out if we mm. went down there. Yeah. Well, that's what Barnaby Joyce said this morning about national parks. I said to Barnaby, why can't they open the national parks in drought to allow stock to feed in the national parks as they allow allow wild pigs and wild dogs to feed there? Barnaby said, national parks, Alan, are just lines on maps. Just lines on maps, and that's the problem here. You have met with the Primary Industries Minister, Niall Blair. Niall, you better wake up to all of this. And what's he saying now? Oh, well, it's not signed, sealed and delivered. It better not be. How did you get on? Yes, very well. Niall is listening, and I know that, you know, he and his team have, in all the workings we've had in years gone by, Alan, been very proactive to support recreational angling. So this lockout is a complete turnaround for us. Yep. We just don't understand it. No. But, no. but he's listening, and the, and the challenge now is for the government to say, well, we have had a consultation period, and it's been genuine, and we're actually going to listen to the people out there. And we're going to stop this no locker, uh, stop this lock. Yeah, well, the challenge is for all of us to get off our backsides because submissions are now open. I'll come to that in just a moment. When the state government, Colin, killed off fishing in Sydney Harbour 15 years ago, more than 20 bait and tackle shops went out of business. Are we heading down that track again with an election coming up in seven oh, months, yeah. folding our arms and saying, oh, how wonderful. We put all these bait and tackle shops out of business. We're feeling good about it, eh? That's what they did at King's Cross. Yeah, I know that there was a lot of problems down in the room with the last set of parks down there, Alan. And, yep. But I've got to tell you that, you know, there's people on Facebook, like there's a Stop the Lucko page and, and the Shooter Fishers and Farmers Party, they've been right into it, and the Recreational Fishing Alliance. We've got the After Trade, the Fishing Media. You know, everybody's starting to snowball, there, Alan. This is really gathering momentum. Good on you. I don't think there's going to be any choice for the government but to, you know... Um, Reverse the decision. Okay, well, there's no decision made yet. It's just a plan, and there is consultation. Thank you for your time, Colin. That's Colin Tannehill, the Managing Director of Shimano Australia. All right, Mars, very interesting one there, mate. First off, there was a lot of issues that we have to address there. First off, he talks about the consultation period, like it's only a consultation. Well, the consultation is to tell you how they're going to lock you out. That's the consultation period. Uh, the interesting one was, too, I followed up after that. He talks about, Alan asked him about how much it costs to go fishing. He says the $35 fee. He says, you know, well, our fisheries is managed. You know, we get the opportunity to uh, go, <laughs> go fishing, right? Okay, I understand this guy's out to sell reels, but anyway. Right then, he oh, t- Alan. Alan did say, "Well, what do you get for your thirty-five dollars?" Yeah, uh, he goes, "Oh, oh, we get our we get our fishing managed, then we get to go fishing." Yeah, the opportunity <laughs> to go fishing. Then, on the flip side, talks about the rights to use the water. That's the part that I found the most interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a kind of like a um a disconnect, really. You know, it's a really sad day, Jason, when Alan Jones understands fishing better than the guy who's the head of Shimano. Mm, especially you when know, Alan said too about threatened species, abs- or threatened species are absolutely no issue, and wreck fishermen have no, absolutely no direct impact uh, by I their mean, fishing activities to threatened species of fish. It's all bullcrap. I mean, the head of Shimano says, oh, the, the, the parks are not the problem. It's the lockout. Oh, duh, mate. What do you think the purpose of the parks is? Seriously, I, I just don't understand what is wrong with these people. And it kind of goes throughout all the businesses that represent our sport, our recreation. The heads of these businesses are just, I don't know. They're, How they're are just, sanctuaries like, not the problem, mate? That's the whole point of this consultation period is to put in there, to lock you out and to use your money to do it. 
the dot, exactly. And this is what gets Fuck, me. Fuck, you know, these... do we need to keep on telling people this sort of crap? You know, you, this guy's obviously a well, senior position with, you know, a Shimano company and probably a lovely bloke, but just doesn't get it. I'm sorry. The things no. you said, just contra- You talk about, you know, sanctuaries not being the problem. Then he talks about rights to use the water, but then the $35 fee gets used to manage fishing and we get the opportunity. They get, The government gives us, he didn't say government exactly, but that's what it basically means. We get the opportunity to go fishing. Like, how many contradictions do you need to put into one particular audio soundbite? No, exactly. It's pretty clear. I mean, the head of Shimano simply doesn't get it, or if he does get it, he's not, you know. If this is getting us- it, if this is getting it, this is dark times ahead for fishermen. This is the guy that apparently it gets is. it. It's dark times for fishermen in New South Wales. Alan Jones, in that, in that little clip that everyone just heard, Alan Jones done a 10 times better job representing fishos than I have heard from any pro-fishing politician ever. And that should worry people. Why? Because <laughs> Alan Jones knows more about the issue and he's, and he's not a fisherman. He's probably hasn't cast a line for God knows how long. But he knows more about the issue than most of those so-called pro-fishing politicians do. And, and you can see it there. He certainly knew more about it than the Shimano guy. And like he said, national parks are just a line on the map as well. Like, I mean, exactly, 100%. What's the difference between a state forest and a national park? It's all the same. You know, just a line on a map. Well, you know, to be fair, state forest, uh, they plant trees there and they harvest them. It's probably about right? the only difference, but it's all, okay, it's, it's all crown land much, yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. And they plant trees and they harvest, but it's different to the national park. But my point is, Jason, right? Okay, that was a great interview, and I hope all the listeners enjoyed that interview. Alan Jones absolutely nailed it. There's absolutely no evidence to suggest that recreational fishing whatsoever does any kind of damage to the environment. Okay, none. And he says, if, if there is, I want it across my desk. I want it across my desk. He's still waiting. You know, like, he's still waiting. He's, he's spot on. He's bang on, mate. And that, that point is the very reason why fishers should demand an absolute abolishment to all of that crap, the, the entire bureaucracy, the uh, all marine parks, all fishing taxes, licenses, everything can go straight in the bin because it is not worth two bob. Would you like to advertise on one of the most tech-savvy mediums on the internet? Then why don't you advertise with us on the Australian Hunting Podcast? If you have a product or business that you would like to promote, then we would love to hear from you. Become one of our partner advertisers by calling Jason on 0425 881 967 or email australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. Looking for outdoor equipment for your next adventure? At Aussie Outdoor Gear, you can find cooking equipment, camo clothing for kids, backpacks, camo accessories, and much more. We cater for your hunting, fishing, camping, hiking, and other outdoor pursuits with our unique product range. AussieOutdoorGear.com.au. Quality gear at affordable prices. All right, guys. Also, too, following up from that, too, uh, Gladys Berejiklian was on 2GB talking with Ben Fordham. Now, I, to be honest, I don't, know, I don't know if this is true, but I think she probably would have chose Ben Fordham. <laughs> I think if Alan Jones or Ray Hadley wanted to speak to her, maybe she wouldn't be more inclined to talk to them because they probably would have drilled her absolutely on this issue. Uh, so we're going to hear from Gladys Berejiklian. She is the New South Wales Premier, uh, and then we'll come back. Premier Gladys Berejiklian live in the studio with us. One policy, Premier, that is pinching you at the moment is your proposed marine parks policy, which includes fishing bans in some popular spots. Now, I know this is just a proposal and the consultation period is not over, 
But if you know now that you're not going to go ahead with these changes, why not just say so now? Because for a long time, um, Ben, and anyone who's a recreational fisher and p- fisherman or fisherwoman, fisherman, what's the correct terminology? <laughs> it's 2GB, exactly. It's 2GB, it's fisherman. <laughs> <laughs> but in any event, uh, the recreational fishermen have said to us they want more certainty. They want, they didn't like or appreciate the fact that previously lines were just drawn on maps uh, without consultation. So I want to, I want to really thank them for being part of this conversation. They have been extremely, extremely helpful in not only uh, dealing with the science that obviously is there, but also giving us local expertise. And that's what this process is about. But they hate the proposed changes, Premier, and you know that. And your opposite number, Luke Foley, says Labor will not lock recreational fishers out of protected marine areas. Are you going to make the same guarantee? Well, we have lots of different zones in those areas, and that's what we're discussing at the moment. But Ben, on this radio station, Luke Foley also said that he supports a rectangle stadium at ANZ Stadium. So he says one thing in here and one thing out there. What do you so- want to say of the fishermen of New South Wales right now about the likelihood of these changes coming into effect? Well, I wouldn't make any assumption about that. What I would so say So it's is, on the table. Well, what I would... Exactly. And what I would say to them is thank you so much for being part of the conversation. Thank you for giving us the local expertise because the science tells you one thing, but nothing beats community input and local expertise. And we're deeply grateful for that because that's how you get the best outcome. You get the science, you get the local experience, and you also get people who are passionate about that. And you know what? I would much rather people went fishing than sitting behind a computer playing digital games. You've also got your your view as Premier. You've weighed up the the information, the proposals, the feedback that's coming in. You must have a sense as to whether these changes are going to come into effect or not. Well, I have a sense that clearly um, there are strong arguments on this issue and and I don't want to see anybody stop doing what they love, especially if it's an outdoor activity which is safe. It's something they've been doing for a long time and that's the process we're going through. We're making sure um, that in addition to the science, and it's taken quite a while to get to this point. In fact, many of the recreational fishing organisations um, have been comfortable with the process to find out what the so-called science says, but now it's time for the community and local expertise and the input. And can I say one thing, Ben, and I want to say this strongly and hand on heart, um, we do not want to stop people, whether it's fishing or doing whatever they like. There's enough government in your face in this state, in this country. We are not about government being in your face. We're about finding the right balance and making sure people can continue to do what they do, whether it's fishing or other activity. Uh, And certainly I'm someone uh, who believes in small government. I don't believe in, in the heavy hand of government coming in and telling everybody what to do. But at the same time, we need to make sure that when we go through a process that we have the consultation then we, we land on a plan. All right, Mars, what do you reckon? We just heard from the Premier of New South Wales uh, give us a lot of political doublespeak about uh, not backflipping uh, on this uh, marine parks in Sydney and across New South Wales up and down the coast. Well, Jason, I'll tell you what, if there was ever an Orwellian doublespeak moment, I mean, this is, you can't get much better than this. I mean, here's Gladys Berejiklian. Oh, we're all for people's rights and freedoms and staying out of people's what lives. A and, what a joke. And, 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 and having a smaller government, I'm all for that, except the problem is she's done nothing but getting in, in, into people's lives ever since even when she was treasurer under Mike Baird. I mean, if it's not them trying to destroy greyhound owners, it's trying to destroy fishermen or uh, ripping up the streets of Sydney with this stupid light rail that's destroyed businesses. I mean, can you believe this- after the Greyhound and this national, uh, sorry, the national marine parks issue? Can you believe yes. she's actually on radio saying 
We want to stay out of people's lives. We don't want to get into oh, yeah, their lives we, if we yeah, don't have to. Like, it's unbelievable. It's just shit. But see, it, the reason why she says this is because she thinks there's a whole bunch of people out there that will fall for it, and unfortunately, there is. So I'm here to tell you guys. I would have liked to have seen Fordham to take it a task on that and say, "Well, hang on, that's not true at all. You, you've banned, tried to ban greyhound racing. You've now trying this on to millions of people. How on earth yeah. do you stay? Not only do you stay out of, like you can understand, maybe, possibly." An absolute minority of people in something that might affect a thousand people, but to affect eight hundred and fifty thousand or closer to a million fish shows is staying out of their business. <laughs> That's a joke, man. Hilarious. Yeah, you can see that Ben Fordham uh, was giving her a bit of a soft interview. He didn't really take her to task on a lot of mm-hmm. things, and you know that's disappointing. But. But that's why some of these politicians they pick certain people that they go on to the air on the air with because they know they're going to get us, uh, you know, a free pass. And um, mate, it's just incredible. This woman has done nothing but uh, left a path of destruction in her wake on everything she's done, including when she was with Mike Baird and even now. And uh, look, they're addicted to all the toll roads. They love they love slapping up a toll road everywhere. And telling you how great they are building infrastructure. They love uh, putting up high rises everywhere. They certainly love trying to get into your business and uh, into your life and destroying your life, like they have destroyed the lives of many people who live in, who run businesses in Sydney with this uh, light rail. And now they're going, they're out to destroy the lives of fishermen. And you can see Jason in that interview. She said she's going to have she's going to have a consultation. What made me laugh? What made me laugh more than anything is how she thanked. She thanked all the fishermen and fishing groups out yeah. there for giving us. Thank you for oh, letting thank- us know we're going to screw you, you over. Thank you. Thank you very much for all the help that you've given us, for all the consultation, all the information that you've given us. Thank you very much for all the taxes that you paid. Now we're going to lock you out. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Oh, and it's they, amazing. They talk about the people like being the most important people in the industry to listen to. So why would you put out the consultation without getting a yeah. feel from the industry at first? That's why this is all bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's incredible. Oh, yeah, you're the most important people. That's why we're going to screw you over. <laughs> And then no doubt some it's of the just, older conservative people out there are probably falling for this. Not a party you can vote I for, mean, guys. Labor, Liberal, Nationals and Greens, forget them off your radar entirely. It's it's just incredible. I, I, was, I could not believe the amount of contradictions that was being spoken, in my view, on this interview. It's just incredible. Um, this woman, I don't know how anyone could believe her. I just don't know. It how just sounded like lies it. too, didn't it? Absolute lies. Oh, we're going to listen to people who want to stay out of your life. If I was Ben Fordham, I really would have hit that part hard. But anyway, the the sad part about this is that the fishing community will will most likely hit back at what she's proposing, and then then they're going to say, "Oh, okay, well, we'll only have these marine parks," and then unfortunately, the fishing community might concede to that, and then. We're we sh- there should be no concessions, mate. Zip zero. No. There, we, that's right. There should be no concessions. But my point is, is that we are not strong enough ideologically to get to that point. Mm. And th- this is my worry. Ideologically, the people who are leading this charge still support the idea of a marine park, and they still support the idea of a fishing tax. They're just they're only fighting back in in, in the form of oh, we, but we don't want a marine park here where we're fishing. And to be honest. Just wipe the lot. That'd be the easiest option. <laughs> yeah, well, well, exactly. Well, my point is, to be honest, that if they they think that's going to be some sort of a win 
Like I said, I'd hate to have them in the trenches. And you've because... seen what happened when that government took them down in the rumour. It, ru- it ruined fishing. Mm. It ruined business in the exactly. rumour. This should be a test case of this is what happens when you give in to this government on this particular issue. Yep. All, all we're doing is we're not, we're not getting any wins. We're not getting any runs on the board. We're always taking a step back. It's always us that's having to concede to something and take a step back and uh, our reduction in our liberties and our rights. That's the sad part about it. I was gobsmacked after that interview. I could not believe what I was hearing, but you know, I'm not surprised. Uh, this woman has done nothing but getting uh, getting people's faces and, and, and getting to their lives and, and destroy the lives of many people. So uh, it's incredible how she speaks. Exactly. No concessions. All right, guys, we've got a couple more to go before we finish off. We'll probably finish with Gary's voicemail because it's fantastic. What we're going to do now is we're going to go into Doug's voicemail. Very good one too, so we'll play that now. Hey, Jase, first of all, mate, love your podcast. I think I've caught up on nearly every episode. I only found you about probably four or five months ago. First question, where's Muzz gone? We haven't heard from him for ages. Uh, second of all, uh, Everyday Hunter Series is probably my favourite on there. Uh, also love the way you guys are pushing for Australian gun rights. Opened my eyes a little bit. Listen to past segments as to just how far we are. Maybe looking at being stripped of what we've got and why we need to fight for them. Yeah, I think you're a legend, man. Love you, love your podcast. Love your YouTube videos. Just a suggestion for Everyday Hunter series, man. No, she haven't had him on there. A fellow by the name of Toadie Gillenham. You would have seen him on YouTube. Love what he does. And eagerly anticipating your next podcast, man. It always, always on the the wait for it. Yeah, once again, man. Love your show. I'll see you in the field. All right, Doug, man, thanks for that. Excellent, man. Yeah, mate, I've been saying the same thing. Mars is a bit of a grub, isn't he, for not being on the show on a regular basis. But as we said, mate, at the start of this show, that's changing from now on. We're trying to do this format, guys, so just work with us. Obviously, me and Mars aren't in person right now, but it's easier for both of us to get it done and give you more content. And uh, I think you'll be a lot happier with that. Will the quality be as good as it is me and Muzz being in person with the same microphone? No. There might be obviously a little degradation in quality, but bringing you, I think most important, guys forget all that is bringing you the content as it happens not waiting three months to get things out and information and articles and news being old so Mars, what do you reckon about doug's voicemail yeah good on you doug thanks very much for your voicemail mate keep listening to the show sorry i've been a bit absent uh but i'm glad we've opened up your eyes on a lot of issues and i'm hoping that uh you'll uh, pass on that uh knowledge and education to people that you know and your family good on you mate Excellent. All right, mate, we're going to go into a very good one from Gary because Gary talks about a lot of very interesting things and it was a great voicemail from Gary. And uh, let's play Gary's voicemail and then we'll, then we'll address that. Hey, guys, my name's Gary Trigrainoth and uh, I'm an avid listener of your podcast. I think it's absolutely awesome and absolutely love what you do. Just a few things, really. Um, obviously, the more I listen to what you um, are saying and what you're doing, the more the heckles seem to kind of stand up on the back of my neck. Uh, one of the most recent ones was with the SSAA. My shooting license is coming up for renewal, and I just thought, well, before I put down for target the SSAA, the club that I'm a member of, I'll uh, just kind of go back five years to see what they've actually done and achieved and um, they've absolutely achieved nothing so picked up the phone gave them a quick phone call and sent them a few emails and stuff Uh, just got a load of boardroom kind of flouncy replies back and everything else uh, which I wasn't too kind of impressed with Um, then they were talking about maybe gun storage and everything else over at Springvale and um, I was saying well how can you go down the road of uh, having uh, gun storage at Springvale when the place is literally falling apart um, all the walls that that separate the actual uh, kind of ranges are falling over and it's just an absolute dive 
So again, just had a load of negative feedback, I suppose, from those guys. Those guys. So um, I will be changing my uh, gun club um, kind of people on my license. And the other one is just in regards to what we're losing at the moment in regards to the fishing side of stuff, and also in the hunting, making a big national park and everything else. And it, it, it kind of starts me thinking in regards to it's not just about us hunters and fishing guides and and hikers all trying to four wheel drivers trying to get together. How about the people that are behind our industry? How about your Berettas, your four-wheel drive companies, your Winchesters, um, uh, your Katmandus? All these big international companies need to get behind, uh, behind us guys because we're not going to do this alone. The industry alone must be worth absolutely billions to these companies, yet none of them has decided to take the lead to say that we're going to help you guys to kind of keep hunting in place, to keep fishing in place. You've got Diaware, you've got Shakespeare, you've got massive, massive names, but they all seem to be quiet and they're just sat there just taking money from us rather than saying, right, do you know what, guys? We're going to help and support you because if you go down, then we're going with you and we're going to lose a lot of money. Hunter's Element, Ridgeline, all these companies need to get together. Then all of a sudden we have a voice. It's not just about, I don't know, 200,000 people in Victoria. It's about a whole industry that are getting together and making a stand. That was my second point. I hope you guys uh, get this and everything else. And um, um, I look forward to hearing from you. Give me a call. All right. Awesome, awesome voicemail from Gary. Just want to say thanks, Gary. Man, that was tremendous, mate. You did pick up a lot of points there. And uh, Muzz, well, you know, should he join the SSAA? He says he's contacted them. He's not real happy with the achievements and he's looking elsewhere for another club. Look, my advice is yes, you should. Um, we are better staying within the organisation and trying to fix it than staying out of the organisation because I just can't see yet, and I stress the word yet, I just can't see yet another organisation that has the uh, capacity, the numbers, I guess the money behind it that the double S double A have. And uh, look, here's the thing: I've given, I'll be the first one to give the double S double A bollocking. But the problem with the double S double A is a structural one. Like I said before, the average, the, the rank and file member of the double S double A should have the right to vote on a national president, and they should have the right to have an election. And it doesn't happen on the national level. Double S double A is just the boys' club, unfortunately, and even at the state level. Uh, so it works way too much like a democracy. An organisation like SSAA should be working uh, like, an, like a company. A company has a CEO and a board of directors, and then the board of directors, I guess, uh, pick the CEO, and they're answerable, all answerable to the shareholders. We are the shareholders of SSAA in a way because we're all members. However, we, we have no say whatsoever in who the, who the president becomes. We don't, get, we don't get a vote or anything like that. That's basically the problem. And, um, and if you look at it, if you look at Jeff Jones, I mean, he might be a lovely, lovely guy, but if you go watch on the internet and YouTube and you look up guys like Chris Cox and Wayne LaPierre from the NRA, those are guys that know their stuff. Those are guys that know their stuff. They, they live gun laws through and through, yeah. and we've got too many different personalities within not only just that organisation, but a lot of organisations that unfortunately... Muzz, as you would know, have swallowed the John Howard pill. A lot of people don't. Some people, don't, not a lot of people. I think they're a minority, but there are some people that don't agree uh, with, you know, semi-automatic weapons, for an example. Uh, you know, and this is why we really, I don't think we can achieve a lot at this stage because we're all not together on this. There should be one specific message, and that's moving forward with all getting our rights back to before 1996. Yes, that's true. And look, to to be fair to the SSAA, they do speak to a lot of politicians. 
but what's actually said behind these closed doors, it's always uh, the idea, oh, yeah, we're working behind the scenes. Uh, we, we've got no idea what's really said behind closed doors to politicians. We don't really know if they if they actually are doing a great job at representing us. Um, I'm assuming that they're trying their best. It, it all depends. Some people's version of your best and what, what's actually best is, is different. Uh, but like I said before, look, until these people, people like Jeff Jones, and I met Jeff Jones plenty of times and I've spoken to him. He's a very nice guy. But until the structural changes happen where the national leader of um, the national president, sorry, of the WSWA, even the state presidents of the WSWA are voted directly by the membership, okay, directly by the membership and uh, and have to justify their position, have to, uh, I guess... Uh, get results would be one. <laughs> get, get results uh, to be re-elected. And these should be fully remunerated positions, I believe. You know what I mean? They should be acting like the CEO of the organisation and and with a uh, with a prime responsibility of delivering results for shooters for their members, but it's not really an organisation like that, um, and it certainly doesn't appear to be anyway. So there's a bit of a disconnect and disengagement, if you will, from the your average rank and file member because they feel it's just out of their hands, uh, and in some cases it is. So that's number one. I want to address that issue with you, Gary. The other issue that you raised, which is a really, really important one, mate, and um, this is regarding the businesses, okay? The, all the businesses that are in on this that have skin in the game, that are selling guns, that are uh, selling ATVs, uh, hiking gear, camping gear, fishing rods, like you said, or you've named them all, and you've just recently just heard the head of Shimano there. I mean, that should be pretty self-explanatory as to why all these businesses aren't fighting this because the head of Shimano doesn't even understand the issue. Mate, it comes down to this, Gary. It comes down to this. In this day of social media, okay, we have a crisis. We have a crisis in leadership. And this is, uh, I like to borrow this quote from Alan Jones because he nailed it. He absolutely nailed it. He's, there is a crisis in leadership throughout all organisations, throughout all organisations from politics all the way to big corporations, all the way to even small corporations. And the crisis is that everyone is far too risk averse. No one's willing to stick their neck out. No one's willing to stand up for what they believe. Why? Because there is a barrage of social media trolls that are all poised, ready on their keyboards to slap all these companies with a whole heap of negative publicity. And every CEO is literally and, and company owner is literally scared to death of these people. They've just got no guts. There's absolutely no guts, no leadership with these people. They're, they're scared to stand up for what they believe. And that is the climate that we're living under, unfortunately. You have a look at every single time a company uh, steps out and says something that's not politically correct. Uh, mate, they just cop an absolute bollocking on social media from all the left-wing trolls. And it's primarily the left-wing Marxist, little communist trolls that sit in their sit in their bloody rooms on front of their keyboards uh trying to uh you know tell everyone how they how they should live their lives and he brings up i want to bring out one thing too he talks about a lot of the companies as well and we haven't seen that and this is something we wanted to address for a while Muzz, about i think we've spoken about it before we've seen a lot of olympic champions come through the system uh, quite successful ones, Russell Mark, Michael Diamond, just, just just to name a few. Some of the new l- young ladies coming into the sport that are doing really well. Not one of them have about, been outspoken about gun laws, and that could be an issue about sponsorship. That could be an issue about you know Shooting Australia saying, well, if you do this, we don't know this, obviously, but we've not seen one single person speak out about any type of gun law 
even remotely, even remotely, yeah. zero. Yeah, yeah, We've that, not that's seen true. our large organisations. I'm not going to name any, but you know, similar to the ones you mentioned as well. All of them doesn't really matter. We've never seen a lot of them come forward and say, "No, we're not going to be tolerating this." It's all just crickets. It's all just crickets, which is a real shame because there are some people out there really doing a lot mm. of the physical carrying and doing a lot of the heavy lifting for large organisations that could absolutely have a big impact on maybe things in this country, but we're just losing that power from those companies, both in Australia and overseas. Overseas companies, especially in the US, are a lot more full-on. Uh, yep. But then again, they leave the lobbying to obviously the NRA and those and gun owners of America, for an example, because they have yeah big hitting power. They don't need to so much, but we don't have that big hitting organization out in Australia that's actually full on, very forward, and say, no, this is we're not going to tolerate this. We're not going to tolerate it, and we're not going to. And the shooters of this country are not going to tolerate it. Wipe it off, forget about it, because that that policy you're putting forward, no, nah, it's finished. But we, none of us say that. We don't have the guts to say that. Every industry, you look at American politics, virtually every big industry, no matter what it is, lobbies government. They lobby government. Why? Because they, they want to make sure that government provides, uh, I guess, user-friendly rules for their industry. The moment there, there was a fi- the idea of a fishing license, I mean, if I was the head of Shimano or Daiwa or whatever, I would have been going, what? Fishing license? Are you serious? I mean, this is going to cause devastating effects for our for our business. And as you can see, by Alan Jones saying um, there's a whole bunch of tackle shops that are closed in Sydney. There's efficient, um, you know, rod and tackle shops. There's a whole bunch of shops, that, businesses that are closed down south coast. I mean, this is affecting their bottom line. And what's got me, what's got me baffled is uh, how they haven't spoken up and actively lobbied against this uh, via their funds, their, their influence, whichever way, from the very beginning, they haven't. And it just comes down to, again, uh, a crisis in leadership. There's just no guts among them. There is no leaders among these people. They're all absolutely frightened of the media trolls. That's, that's what it comes down but to. But even when gun and, laws, must say, in, in Australia are pushed forward, like obviously you heard from Shimano, there's a big issue happening. The guy from Shimano comes out. When there's a big issue on gun laws, you're very little, if any, See, and well, I, I, I don't think I can, if, like Alan Jones says, if you can put something across my desk, I'd be happy to see it. But I've not seen uh, really any company put a huge foot forward in regards to say, no, we're not going to be tolerating this in the media. I know Rob Nyer, I've interviewed him before, has done a pretty yep. good job, especially surrounding the Adler. But I'm not going to say this is because obviously he was selling the Adler. I mean, he did, at the end of the day, whether he, did, he does, he's got skin in the game uh, in regards to profits. Yeah. I'm not saying yep. that. I'm definitely not saying it all. That's why he's doing it. I'm not saying that. He's always been fairly strong on gun laws and willing to put himself out there. At the end of the day, we want to see some big, strong manufacturers, organisations, international companies, and companies that are here in Australia really talking out against these laws, uh, not only for fishing, but for shooting as well, and we're just not seeing that. We're just not seeing it. No, nah. nah, we're not. And and two problems, uh, and I would like to address Gary again, two, two problems. One, there's a lack of knowledge and a lack of knowledge of the big picture, as illustrated by the, by the, um, the head of Shimano, as you can clearly see by the interview, um, and there's a lack of courage. Now, this, uh, the head of Shimano, he's getting on to Alan Jones and he's talking about it's going to affect the business. Mate, you should have been doing that long time ago. You should have been lobbying the radio stations long time ago when they first introduced the fishing tax. I mean, this has, gone, this has now come to a point now where uh, we've got such a big bureaucracy running, the, running this whole show. The idea of abolishing it, something that's going to be put in the, in the too hard basket by most politicians. So we're in danger of having this bureaucracy 
foisted upon you, us. You know what I would have loved, Muzz, from the guy on Alan Jones, that uh, Tannehill fellow yeah. from Shimano? This is what I would have yeah. loved for him to say. I, mean, I don't know how hard it is to say. Uh, we oppose all marine parks and we oppose current marine parks. We want to see them all abolished and we're going to make sure that happens. I'm going to lobby the government as hard as we can and we're going to make sure that every fisher knows who to vote for at the next election and it won't be the Liberal Party. They're going to pay heavily and dearly for this treachery against uh, fishermen in New South Wales. How hard is that? That would have been fighting words. They would have been fighting words. Yeah, but that, that takes courage. It takes balls to say How hard is it like to that. say that? We oppose... It's not, it's not hard at all. It's not hard at all. But like I said to you, it takes courage. It takes balls to say something like that. And there is no courage. There is, there, there is no guts among any of these um, Yeah, We're not going to take this down, leaders. lying down. We're going to do everything yeah, we can. And, and, you know, you he know? can back himself up by saying, well, and, and we believe this, not because just because it affects our profit line. It's because we don't, we don't absolutely... Uh, we absolutely do not think there is any justifiable evidence, scientific or otherwise, that suggests that these people who are just wanting to exercise their rights and freedoms in a beautiful country like Australia are doing any kind of damage to the environment. And we completely reject the notion that there is there is a need for any marine parks. We completely reject the notion that there is a need for a fishing license. How ridiculous. It's not even a license. All you do is you pay your money and you get a ticket. What kind of a license is that? That is a tax. So but that defends Alan, the seagrass, man. Didn't you know? You pay your thirty-five bucks, you're <laughs> going to help out the seagrass. I can't believe seagrass. Niall Blair from the DPI, from the Nationals government in New South Wales, would honestly think of that as a solid, solid argument. Yeah. yeah look, Gary, you've made some great points. Thank you very much for your excellent email. Look, if the CEOs of these companies can't trace back their profit margins and their sales margins for the last 10, 10, 12 years and see them slowly, slowly going down. I mean, that's all you need to see. When are they going to wake up and realize they need to start getting into the ring and start fighting this fight, start fighting it with the people that are going to support them? It's it's common sense, really. Me and Jason, we can't do anything. We can just we can just bring light to the problems and, and hopefully point people to solutions. At the end of the day, they're the ones with all the money they're the ones in charge of the company. They're the ones whose business it is, mind you, whose business it is to keep an eye on the issues, to make sure they know what government is up to, and to know how it's going to affect their business. That is their business. Okay, so the fact that they haven't been really doing that over the last uh, ten to twenty years shows you that they're just just not doing their jobs. Just to finish off the show, just a quick one before we finish off. I rang up two GB. This was some time ago, probably a couple of months ago, about two months ago. And it was in regards to self defence. In regards to Eurydice Dixon, I think her name was. She was uh, murdered, and it's it's a bit of a shame. Again, we've been talking about this for a long time. I did just make a video for my Facebook page about self defence just recently, only probably four or five days ago. So I want to play you what I spoke to Ben Fordham, which is the afternoon uh, presenter there on 2GB. And just have a listen to what I said about self-defense. So take a listen. Let me go to Jason, who's called in. Jason, good afternoon. Thanks, Ben. It really pains me having to hear about this again. Uh, we, we probably remember several years ago, Jill Maher raped and murdered by 22-time rapist Adrian Ernest Bailey. Uh, the, the guy that just called up previously and said we can't blame police, I totally agree with him. Uh, and, and police, I think, would admit they can't be you know, on everyone's front doorstep. They can't be on every street corner. But they say take reasonable measures. Yet if I was to carry you know, a knife, a uh, firearm, a uh, pepper spray, uh, something along those lines to take 
take reasonable measures. I'm the one that's actually going to be charged. I mean, how many women need to be raped and murdered? The government needs to act now so the police are able to support law-abiding people, women carrying these forms uh, of pepper spray. This is what needs to happen. The police can't be on every corner. It's time that it must happen. We can't continually keep going on about this. Families are being ruined. This is something I'm extremely passionate about, and we've got to stop this from happening. Of course, we can take reasonable measures, and I 100% agree, and the police do a fantastic job with what they do, but they can't be on every street corner. So if, if people are listening, if the politicians are listening, we need change, and we need it now. Well, Jason, I'll tell you what I'll do in follow-up to this, and I appreciate your passion and your position. I will ask the Police Commissioner, Mick Fuller, about this next week. I'd just be interested to know his position on it, uh, because he'll have a better idea about why you're not able to carry pepper spray in New South Wales. There might yep. be reasons that we don't know about, uh, so I'll ask him about that next week. All right, Mars, what do you reckon? Well, you've done a great job, Jason. Well done. And um, I hope you listeners out there appreciate that uh, Jason does get on radio and he's uh, every now and then listened to by 400 something thousand people across the country supporting your right to self-defense which is great fantastic job mate yeah and like i say guys it needs to happen it needs to happen now you know and, and i was quite interesting i think muzz would agree when ben fordham right at the end i left that in there where he said well i'm going to talk to mick fuller the police commissioner as to why people can't care must be the reason why there, mate, there is no reason why there is no reason why police don't want it to happen. You know, uh, officials and government officials don't want it to happen, but they're more than happy to have armed security themselves to defend themselves. Uh, a lot of these people hate guns, but they're more than happy to have armed guards to help them. So what about the average individual like me and you? What about the average individual like this young lady that had a whole life ahead of her? These family were picking up the pieces for years to come in regards to these murders. It's easy to say, well, guys shouldn't murder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know that. But there's about... 0.1% of people that are just mentally deranged. They don't understand laws. They don't care about laws. They will break all laws. No law will stop these people except some form of self-defense. To me, it's very clear. Pepper spray is legal in WA. Has the sky fallen in WA? Is there any kind of ma mass hysteria regarding pepper spray in WA? No. So it's obviously not an issue. It can work. I, I, I don't know why they don't do it, mate. It's just, uh, it comes down to... They don't want people to have the power to defend themselves. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, they, they want people to rely on them. They want, you know, I guess they want to uh, maintain control. That's pretty much it. So less control for you, more control for them. There's no reason for it. We should, certainly, at the very least, should be allowed to have pepper spray for self-defense. Yeah. And uh, I, I can't find any kind of justifiable reason uh, to deny ordinary citizens the right to defend themselves especially with non-lethal yeah. means. Like I always say, guys, I get a bit nervous when I call up, and but you've got to put your best foot forward, guys. You know, If you're on the radio and you're hearing this stuff, get ring up and get on the air. Be confident. Yep. Do a bit of practice while you're waiting to go on the air. You know, That's what I normally do. I normally, if I'm in the car and I've heard something, I thought, wait five minutes, then I'll call up, and I'm in the car just rehearsing what I'm going to say. Mate, even if you're not going to be the best, guys, just don't agree with the current laws and say something's got to change. Or you can even just put your two cents and say, mate, the laws need to change to allow people to have the right to self-defense. Thanks, Ben, for that's taking it. my call. I wanted the listeners to know that, and if the politicians are listening, we need it and we need it now. And that's pretty much what I said. It's not but that that's hard, it. That's, that, that's all you need to say. It's very simple, and uh, it doesn't require a lot of training. It doesn't require a lot of background knowledge on certain things. Uh, and when there's hundreds of thousands of people out there, Mars, listening to this, that's what's most important, guys, getting your word oh, out there, exactly. letting people hear what you're saying. 
th- hundreds of thousands of people that listen to 2GB, number one radio station in the country. If you can get on there, you've got a lot of people listening to you and you might be able to get through to people. So, Mars, that's a great great show, mate. Uh, I think it's been good. I'm, I'm glad we'll be able to do it again. We're going to do it on a regular basis soon. We're not going to leave it too long, guys. As soon as we've got voicemails, if you want to go on the website, click on that voicemail icon. It's on the right-hand side of the website on the scroll bar. Click it. You've only got 90 seconds because Gary had to leave two voicemails for us, which is fantastic. Uh, but if you've only, if you can do it in 90 seconds, just do another recording and then record your second part of your message. But if we you need can, to fix that, Jason, we need to give. I don't know if we can. Least... It's the app. It's the app that I use. I think. Oh, okay. but, um, we, we need to, to give people at least double the amount of time. That you I'll see what I can time. do, guys. See what I can do. But if you want, send in your yep. voicemails. Send in your emails to AustralianHuntingPodcast.com.au. Support us on Patreon. You can download us. I finally migrated, guys, the server over to another company. So. If, if things are looking a bit funny on iTunes, which they shouldn't be because I've double-checked it, just delete the podcast out of iTunes uh, and then resubscribe to the podcast. And then all the proper names and all the proper wording and labels of the names, it'll look absolutely perfect. So I've got it running and running very smoothly at the moment. So like a well-oiled machine, guys. So uh, as usual, my name is Jason Selms. And I'm Muzz. See you guys next time. You're listening to the Straight Shooting Podcast here on the AHB Digital Radio Network. As always, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.